Welcome to Thirst for Knowledge, episode 19. Uh, my boy Lawrence Harmon is not with me tonight, but, you know, I'll still be your host, Steve Hendrickson. Join with special guest appearing from the dark depths, Mr. Tom Hepp. Hey, how's it going? How you doing, Tom? Not bad, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm over this uh, Christmas time. I've got kids. It's a nightmare. I'm glad it's over. I can only imagine. So, uh, was your Christmas great? Uh, it was pretty good. We uh, we celebrate both. My uh, my partner is uh, Jewish, so we got the uh, we were at her family's for Hanukkah yesterday, or at my family's for Christmas. So it was nice. That's awesome. My uh, my brother is Jewish, and I, I know a lot about religion, but unfortunately, the Jewish faith I've never really took a deep dive into because there was. A lot of rules and that reminded me of catholicism and i just didn't re- to <laughs> get back into that so um um so tom you've been playing Le- legacy right uh yeah since about 2015 and uh you play primarily paper magic online i'm primar- primarily magic online um i have some I have kind of a special needs animal at home and kind of prevents me from traveling things like that. So the only paper events I get to play in are like within a couple of hours, maybe once a year I'll travel. Okay. What's, what's the animal? Um, he's a border collie mix, um, but he has a neurological disorder, which prevents him from basically he has a hard time walking straight. He has to spin to see what's around him. He's blind on the left-hand side. He doesn't have a lot of feeling on the other side and basically he requires constant care so he has to he can't maintain a lot of things so he has to go to the bathroom every four hours so i'm up in the middle of the night with him um he can't take stairs because of his condition he would fall if he tried to even attempt to go down a staircase so he needs to be carried up and down the stairs and taken out and for obvious reasons he can't be boarded because if he was in any kind of like enclosed area he would like walk into things or you know just would be really he would require someone to come to the house and be like essentially a full-time caretaker so when we travel we either have to travel with the dogs or um somebody has to stay with them and that, that's asking a lot to go travel to a magic tournament on a weekend yeah i mean i definitely tip tip my hat to you because that is a uh, that is a noble and brave thing a lot of people wouldn't keep up with so yeah, he's he's absolutely worth it he's uh, just full of life and uh one of the best things in my life actually so yeah worth the trade-off and thankfully there are um well maybe not as many now that star city is off the uh the legacy train but there have been a decent number of tournaments i'm just outside philly so i do still get to play in the local stuff okay yeah i mean you're you're negator 77 online right um i used to be now <laughs> i play under a duplicatory now but i still have both oh it's switching them up um and what 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 deck do you like to participate in i may have clued this in <laughs> uh, my primary deck is bug depths i've been playing that for a few years but recently like the last two months or so i've been um i've been playing more turbo than i have been playing bug okay and is that is that uh a metagame ch- choice or is that just you think it's a superior deck 
overall? Mm, no, I think Bug's a much better deck. Um, that's why I've been on it for the last few years. Um, I think meta considerations are a big deal right now. Um, Bug in particular, one of its primary game plans and primary ways it protects its combo is discard. Um, but on top of that, its secondary disruption piece is fluster storms out of the board. And all of that is a, a giant mess against Veil of Summer dot format. Uh, yes, definitely. So when 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 both the pieces of your disruption bag and you're running eleven twelve pieces that all just eat it to a Veil of Summer or snap Veil of Summer on top of you know other really strong cards that have impacted the deck in a negative way, that one in particular has made it less than desirable. Uh, that is a card that uh, has come really strong on in the winter flavor fail but it has uh, destroyed a lot of previous interaction points for multiple colors of the format in my opinion yeah i mean it would be one thing if it um if it was just in a handful of decks you know you look at the, the card it's supposed to be a green it's, it says it's a green card it's colored green has green casting costs but it's really a blue card um, almost every deck that runs it or the decks that run it best are all blue the combo decks that are just really flexing that card's muscle like Tess is is a blue deck with eight cantrips and you know obviously miracles and the snow decks and that's where that card's really shining and yeah unfor it's yeah. it's unfortunate that like you know as legacy's shown the past I think year from all the powerful effects anytime they print these you know aggressively costed but like only a single cost or even two different costs like Ren and six the cantrip cartel decks make best use out of them and find them very quickly yeah exactly i mean green could definitely use more stack interaction it's just that just fits so well into you know you can make an argument that that's an astrolabe problem that it's a fetch land problem whatever you want to do but um yeah i don't think that card's actually helping green base decks all that much yeah me, or primary primary green base decks me, me and lawrence actually defer like we do, we have a different opinion on this i don't think astrolabe's as much of a problem as cards like veil of summer just because i feel like even if you take astrolabe away i feel like you'll still have a bant four four color deck with because oko and uh veil of summer is so good so it's almost like you ha you want to play them no matter what. But yeah, I definitely understand that point of view, but I think there would be more of a cost. Like I think there's still a cost, but it's kind of the cost is extremely low at the moment. I don't know, it's a really strange thing. I think because of the like the snow snake cuz the snow with the snow snake and everything else, I feel like we'd still have like a bant miracles nonsense deck. But it wouldn't be able to attack you as fast because it would have to take the turn off to set up the food. And maybe that would give you time. I don't know. Um, but I do think that Veil of Summer has caused a lot of issues for Legacy. So uh, your bug deck, I'm looking at it right now. It's in our show notes for uh, guests at home. But you've got a lot of one-ofs, including a spicy one-of Stifle that I think you're best known for. Yeah, Stifle's one of my favorite cards. So one of my biggest issues with Turbo Depths when I started running um, Depth Strategies is I hate so many of the narrow cards. Um, 
some people would argue they're not super narrow, but they have like very specific uses. So your elvish spirit guides, your your lotus petals, and um, in this case, your pithing needles. So I think pithing needles have matchups where they're decent and matchups where they're kind of air. Like you don't want to be playing against ant with pithing needle. So stifle was kind of sort of a pithing needle in that it answers a lot of the the cards that you specifically run pithing needle in depths for. You know, it answers your wasteland, your Caracas. Um, those kind of cards but then it also has texts against tendrils of agony you can time walk people by hitting a fetch land which as a turn two turn three ish um 2020 deck you you know that's a big deal if you can basically put them back an entire turn um yeah it's text against grizzle brand it's just you know even like tech, even stifling something like a germ token batter skull trigger is a big deal you know to prevent them from going over 20 life it just has applications everywhere so it's a much more flexible card um, than Pithing Needle is. Okay. I do. I mean, it's one of those things when you see it, it just jumps out to you. I think um, it must be a Tom thing, right? Was Tom Ross also like a one-off stifle? Uh, you mean like in the infect yeah. lists? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quality. Anytime you're trying to kill somebody, you know, on turn three-ish um, and you can do something like hit a fetch land on them, that's going to basic, that's going to really cripple them. Oh, I agree. And it's also and I'm guessing at it. It's also best as a one guessing, right? Yeah, because then you know they see it or they know it's there, and then people. I I lost track of the number of people that are like fetched at a really awkward time and just said they didn't want to get burned by the card when they knew it was there, and it messes up. You know, takes some of the value of their cantrips out. You know, it's it has it has uses everywhere, and then sometimes it doesn't even stay in the list, and they're playing around a card that's not there, or they're playing around a one of. That's just that's just value all the way. Um. I also saw the one of gemstone mine. Is that the break serve on play draw? No, no, you're thinking. Oh, uh, you're right. Caverns. You're right. No. Yeah. Gemstone mine is just a, a fixer. Yeah. Wow. I actually am not used to that since, uh, well, what Tess used to play it. That was one of the rainbow lands Tess used to play. Yeah. You still see it in dredge and, yeah. um, decks that are really color hungry. Um, in this case, when you're running this version has four reclaimers four crop rotations to get rid of it plus then you have herborg that turns it into a permanent swamp so it's basically like a tri land that you can get rid of almost on command or have it just be a permanent swamp on command yeah i actually didn't even consider reading the entire title i saw gemstone and assumed it was cavern because you only had <laughs> like one trop one c I didn't even think of it being as the Rainbow Land. Wow. Is there any other cards that take advantage? No? Okay. Oh, and the Ghost Quarter on the sideboard? Oh, that's kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah, I found that basically Turbo Depths lists all run Ghost Quarter main. Um, the idea is that you're, you don't want it to interfere with your Pithing Needle. So against Death and Taxes, you don't want to name Wasteland against a wasteland deck and then them play a caracas behind it that kind of thing um, but those situations come up so rarely that i find the wasteland in the mains a lot better because there are often scenarios where they'll leave up a specific amount of mana like two mana up for an edict or a tundra up for a plow i mean it's less relevant now that astrolabe is everywhere but scenarios used to come up all the time where a second main phase crop rotation for wasteland would take them off of the mana for their answer and then you move to their end step and combo um so and just setting them back and against decks like lands or 
green post where if you ghost quarter one of their utility lands, say like a Maze of Ith or a Caracas, they go get an untapped forest off the ghost quarter and then could crop rotation for another utility land if they have a crop rotten hand, um, which is just a really fun way to lose a game of magic, just handing them the resource to beat you when they were tapped out. Um, so I prefer Wasteland in the main deck of Bug and then for matchups where you want more than one land destruction effect anyway, like Delver, Lands, Death and Taxes, you have both. And that way, if in the mirror they're bringing in Pithing Needles of their own, they generally only have, like most of the time, the black-green lists will only have Wasteland, the turbo lists will only have Ghost Quarter. You can freely name either and then just tutor for the other at whim. Okay. I'm just sitting here looking through your list and looking at your control package in the bug versus your turbo depths. Do you think that uh, you would integrate any veils in your bug list now that the card is around? It's hard to say. Like the space is so tight and bug because you really want like one of the primary reasons to run the deck at all is is ba it's basically brainstorm and fluster storm. The stifle's cute, but it's basically brainstorm and fluster storm. So you don't really want to get away from fluster storms or you know some kind of blue counter magic otherwise what's the point like one of the biggest draws of the deck is that it's better against combo and it's better against the top of the opponent's deck like all traditional black green depths death or just they're just hitting people with this card and then it's either card advantage engine and slow or combo and slower turbo and you just hope certain cards don't come off the top of their deck that are going to beat you so one of the edges this version has is that you can you do have interaction against the top of their deck and if you're going to go away from that. Like, where does the space come from? You kind of need f four removal spells otherwise in the sideboard. Otherwise, you're just going to scoop to things like Blood Moon and Snaring Bridge, those kind of cards. So you need four removal spells. You really don't want to get rid of the counters. Um, Pithing Needles are kind of required, so the space gets tight really quick. You need Graveyard Interaction, whether that's Surgical, Leyline, whatever you choose to go with. So you're, And then you need extra protection against decks that have a ton of removal, so... In this case, it's Sylvan Safekeeper, not of this world. So there's really, there's really no reasonable cuts. It's not the Veil's not very, very good. It's just I don't know what I would take out to make space for it in this version. It's almost like it would be the Fluster Storms, right? Like exactly, like, and, and that's yeah, probably why you're playing just black green. Yeah, I mean, you could run Bug with a main deck and still have the Stifle and the Brainstorms, and then run Veils in the board. But at that point. You know the difference between brainstorm and say dark confidant right is it really yeah you might as well just be running straight black green make your mana a little bit better by being able to run a couple of basics um to fight the wasteland decks protect your stages by fit, that, that kind of stuff have all those tricks available to you yeah i don't know that bug specifically is going to be worthwhile with veils yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, especially if you really want cantrips, you can play once upon a time another wonderful new addition to uh, magic due to the power creep of current sets. And I've seen some lists do well with that. What are your thoughts on once upon a time in Turbo Depths? Um, I tested once upon a time for a couple of weeks in Turbo Depths, and I absolutely hated it. Um, it was one of the highest variance cards I've ever played with. Like the turbo list that I was playing with essentially only had spirit guides, hex mages, and one reclaimer as creatures. And then you were looking at the lands. So 
especially post board when a lot of times you're shaving some of the fast mana like elvish spirit guide you get into these spots where the stuff that's coming in for some of the fast mana you know you get cards that are all answer based so they're not lands and they're not creatures so you're either bringing in yeah maybe like an additional not of this world or graveyard hate or yeah removal like abrupt decay or assassin's trophy or additional pithing needles in the case of certain lists yeah i mean your your um, list it would only hit the three sylvan safekeepers and then nothing else the list that you exactly so unless you're gonna i've been messing with some collector movies so yeah maybe there's a way to to make it more creature centric the sideboard but uh, the most powerful effects generally aren't creature based um, other than safekeepers so it just got into this spot especially post board where it just flat bricked three or four times for me and <clears throat> on top of that there were plenty of other situations where your choices just aren't what you need so you get into these game states where you know say they have an ice fang on the other side of the table and you just need to push through it you need to find sajiri step and you draw you know once upon a time <laughs> look at five don't find the step tack into it they block then they play a planeswalker oko uh, to ferry whatever and bounce or deal with your 2020 like you just need that specific card in that specific moment where the card that most people are cutting for once upon a time is sylvan scrying or a secondary tutor effect um same thing against the graveyard decks you really just need to find a bog in certain spots um against like humans they play tomic you really just need to find caracas in certain spots um you need to find a wasteland or a ghost quarter in a certain spot and you know while once upon a time can help you in the early game especially if it's in your opening hand it just misses or doesn't find specifically what would win you the game and spots enough to make it worthwhile i think once you start talking about slow depths where you have dark confidants and four reclaimers and additional creatures in the sideboard um, maybe even main deck safekeepers in some of those lists you know then you're actually in a spot where maybe it's worthwhile but a couple of pilots i respect that run even slow say that there's not space for it that they prefer the stronger cards that are already there but in turbo i don't think it's very good yeah i mean i'm not as a i've not played depths as much as you have nor most people i played i played it back when it was bad and uh <laughs> but i enjoyed i enjoy bad decks a lot of times so uh i think for me once upon a time fits the turbo package if in theory crafting more than slow because i feel like slow wants to speed up in chances in, like in certain game states because they are slower and then turbo would take advantage more of the free side of it but of course if it's not in your opener not getting it for free probably just crushes you so i could definitely see like casting it for the two mana and, and not getting not being a sylvan scrying or into the north effect just being a detriment to the deck so yeah, it's tough because it also adds a layer of uncertainty to your opening hand too. Like you're looking at a seven that say has the depths, maybe an Urborg, a discard spell, and a once upon a time. And it's just, it's like, okay, well, if this finds X major stage, I'm great. If this misses, I'm just drawing off the top of my deck, hoping to hit something. So, you know, you're, you're really, you know, I would rather have pieces that I know what they do when you're evaluating your opening hand. Like in Turbo, I kind of want to have a path to the combo in my opening hand. 
like if it, you don't have to necessarily have the full combo in your hand, but if you have like one piece plus a scrying or one piece, you know, adepts and hex mate, like as long as you have something that can theoretically get you there, um, not something that might hopefully get you there. I would much rather have um, a direct tutor in my hand over a once upon a time in turbo. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see either way. Like I said, I mean, for me, I, I, my my brain thinks that the, the slower version wants to be able to go fast when they have to um, because they're not, they're like a whole, I think they're like a whole turn slower If when I used to test it. But I don't know. They're half. They're generally half the accelerants, so they're normally three or four mox diamonds versus you know six to eight, depending on the the faster lists that you're looking at. Usually eight in turbo. Yeah. Um. So, so I don't know if that equates to a full turn. Um. But it is a little bit slower. And but I think part of the part of the attraction in the slow lists is you know you're going to have an early. You're likely to have an early creature at that point. Um. Either a turn one reclaimer or a turn one. Bob, if you have Mox Diamond in your hand, right, um, and I think that's really appealing. Like those two cards are both extremely powerful in those lists, right? And and like you said, they have Sylvan Safekeepers. A lot of times, they one hundred percent have a turn one play, and or if it's not a creature, it can be like a library, and you know, they it helps them grind the white decks out, right? Like that's the whole point of playing that deck. Yeah, well, yeah, they're much better in their grindier matchups than Turbo is. Yeah, I, I mean, I've like I said, I mean, I tested. The I heard all kinds of jokes like the mid range, <laughs> or the what at multiple speed depths and all this other nonsense. <laughs> but like uh, you know, I, I tested the slower one at one point. Um, it wasn't my cup of tea, and I like to grind a lot when I play, and I still didn't like it. Um, I'd rather just turbo out. I I hated going past a certain point. So yeah, I think I think part of my issue in the current metagame with the depths lists and another part of the reason why I haven't been playing as much bug is that some of the, it seems like every decks plays are just so powerful at this point and they come so fast and so early and so consistently between the new printings, the, especially some of the planeswalkers that come down. Normally the planeswalkers were all manageable at two or three casting cost. And the one you really had to get under was you just had to prevent certain decks from resolving a Jace and that would take over the game. Now the bar is like Oko, or if you have like instant speed protection, like a Flusterstorm or not of this world, the bar is Teferi. If Teferi comes down on three, you no longer have crop rotation for Zajiri step. You no longer have not of this world. You no longer have Flusterstorm. So you're, you know, even Veil of Summer is essentially just a cycle card or a preemptive. You can't counter my next spell, um, which are both really mediocre. Well, I think Teferi is the is the large like so it's really bad. I I always forget about Teferi's like no instance clause because I always have played with Teferi, but like everyone else in my shop, because we're I primarily play in paper. And so, like, people updating their decks, you know, especially with the flip-flop of a couple years ago, Underground Sea was the hotness. Over the summer, Volcanic Island was the hotness. And now it's Tropical Island is the hotness. And so, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, in a year's time, like, we've had all these duels change as the primary duel, right? And so a yeah. lot of people in my shop are real slow. So they play, like, the stalwarts, like Death and Taxes. Uh, there's, like, more Death and Taxes than anything else. I complain about it nonstop but like 
I'm not used to playing against a fairy. So I keep watching Honorog play this weekend. And I kept like, why don't you do this? And he's like, they, there's a Teferi in play. They can't counter it. I'm like, I keep forgetting that because, you know, I just, uh, I'm used to being the only one with Teferi. But that, that, that has been <laughs> like my Turbo Depths stopper has been Teferi. Because like yeah, once it comes down, the, the secrets, crop rots, just stop. You know, they can't crop rot in response to Teferi a lot of times. So it's just you know it's just done unless they've got some way of like making the combo making a spirit or a, a surgy step into pro blue that turn or play right whatever depending on mana availability like it's so much easier that matchup with teferi yeah so the, the turn used to be you wanted to have you wanted to have the combo presented by turn four you know turn three if you could uh, you know, obviously turn two and button in best case draw scenarios, but you wanted to have the, the combo by turn four so they couldn't just jam a Jace on you. But now it's turn three because they have both Oko and Teferi, both of which do really annoying things. Like you just went through with Teferi, everything that it does and how difficult it is to play. Um, but Oko, even though you wouldn't think it would be terrible unless they have the flying blocker too. But they do. Just going, just, just they, they do. <laughs> but on top of that, on top of that, it also can ship, it can also send them over 20 life, which is two swings, which means you're now open to being elked or, you know, whatever else along the way. Yeah. The, the, I so, think the, the, the flying blocker is really the, the thing that's changed, especially for the Tundra decks. They, they're playing Snow Snake and, or Ice Fang Kawatzel and, that has just been like the the headache for depths players because they're not supposed to have blockers. They're supposed to have snapcasters, you know. Yeah, it's not that they haven't had blockers in the past. You know, these decks have run and treat the angels on and off throughout the years. But the difference there is that happens to be the same color as your protection land, as as their removal spell. So you can often set up scenarios where you're protected. You know, they can't just fire off a removal spell. Right, and hope you don't have a crop rotation because if you get white, it goes right through their creatures. So they have to time things right. There's mistakes that they can make in there. Now that the creature is blue green, you know you can't get a step. If you if you put a step and play it on blue and green against any kind of unknown hand, you're just opening yourself up to purge, plow, whatever. Yeah, it's just it's kind of ugly. So you have to have close to full information, or you know you're basically just crossing your fingers. Um, or you're waiting and attacking into the blocker, but then you have to protect against not only the instant speed removal spells, which could come end step, and then untap into a planeswalker, which they also have three different planeswalkers that can answer Lodge now. So a card like Pithing Needle is just pure guesswork unless you hit them with a discard spell, which is, of course, harder because they're running veils. So you have all of these decision points, and the matchup is extremely intricate, and certain ways that i used to attack the matchup which would be set up the combo by around turn three with bug and then try and set up you know surgical plus fluster storm or crop rotation plus fluster storm i would actually try to go long against them so set up the combo and then prevent them from tapping low to play you know whatever it was mentor jace um and then just set up a situation where it would be really hard for them to avoid getting killed um but now that turn is basically sped up a full turn and short of going turbo you can't consistently present the combo on turn two or turn three with the other versions so you either have to do what black green's doing 
and try and get some card advantage with Dark Confidant or Sylvan Library or those kind of things, or you have to go fast. Those are really the only two options. And you can't even trust Pithy Needle at this point because two of their walkers deal with Pithy Needle, which is obnoxious, right? Like, Well, yeah, so you're guessing. I board out every Pithy Needle against Miracles. Um, I just don't find them to be very effective. Like, Unless you can actually see their hand, you're you're completely guessing as to <laughs> what you're naming with Pithy Needle. And then a lot of the times they're bringing in some amount of removal that would hit it anyway, whether that's a council's judgment or a re- is it return to nature? Whatever the yeah, two. Yeah, return to nature. Guess, yeah. They're bringing in stuff like that anyway because they expect a Sylvan library um, or something along those lines that just accidentally hits a Pithing Needle on the fly if they absolutely, if you actually hit one of the walkers that's relevant. Um, so I don't find that card to be particularly effective in the matchup. Game one, when they're very limited in how they can answer it, they have less veils, so your discard's a little bit better. You'll have a little bit more information to work with. That's a different story, but I don't think they're very good post-board. The statement you made is, is, is actually very true. Less veils. Not zero veils, less veils. <laughs> yeah, it's usually one or two still that you have to work. And that's part of the... I've still been pretty successful in the matchup. Um, I'm fairly positive, but it's it's a lot harder, and it seems like one of the biggest indicators as far as how it's going to go is play draw. That's one of my least favorite parts of the dynamic with Veil versus Discard. It's oftentimes you'll just have a single discard spell, and you're only worried about a couple of things game one. So if you just get to go play a discard spell either take their plow or they kept like a land light like a one land hand plus cantrip or something you take their cantrip or they kept like island island astrolabe and you take the astrolabe to choke them off on that way you can basically set up lines where you'll be able to kill them on turn three or turn four um barring some good draw steps from them but if they're on the play and they just go fetch pass (laughs) what are you supposed to do like you're playing into not only the two of Veil, if you fire a discard spell off them, but the four of Brainstorm, you know, in a pinch they could still counter it. They're generally running four or five forces main if they absolutely have to. Some of them are running some other amount of soft permission. It's it's just ugly, and I find that it's very difficult to win the, the games on the draw, game ones, and relatively easy to win the game ones on the play. Yeah, I mean, when I met the Flying Blocker, like, for me it was the, because I used to play V-Click. But now, Snow Snake is a very aggressive two-mana play that allows you to, <clears throat> with no opportunity cost, get deeper into your library, set up a blocker, and also you know have surprise blocks too. So it's kind of an insane card. Yeah, I'm not really sure why that card had to have Flash. It feels like that card would have been completely playable as is as just a snow strix. <laughs> I, I, I think so too. I, I really, I'm really, it's one of those things where I'm like, I get it. They were like, well, you have to have three other snow permanents, but by the way, here's this, here's this colorless one that just kind of, you know, it gels it all together. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I'm glad it wasn't black. Um, and I, I'm glad it was blue green. I'm not black because, I do think that Dead of Winter is probably bonkers, but kind of unplayable because of the fact that you want to play blue-green-white. So, like, if Black had another card to play that incentivized Snow Antics, I'd be kind of scared. Yeah, I definitely see that. Uh, The other reason why I want to go fast in that matchup, as opposed to 
bugs plan is just mystic sanctuary is a card that exists now and playing into the long game with a deck that can you know recur off fetch lands is just not a place i'm looking to be well i definitely like i said i mean i played i played the miracle side way too much uh ever since i went bant i've kind of had like little to no issues versus my metagame but it's all i think it's like all about you know tricks and antics like i think i've cycled a veil against a hex mage to trigger terminus you know like certain things like that like i th- i do think that the meta it used to be if i played against a good depths player i wouldn't feel very good about it in fact i played like haymakers like what was it uh the the new ruination from the ashes like I, I would try different weird cards to try to like pull the matchup in my favor um because I felt like they would, they just take the control role and grind me out, rip my hand apart, and they just kill me. So, I think that Bant has changed it a lot. Yeah, the matchup's much different. Um, it's been a hot minute since I've seen From the Ashes, but I've definitely had that cast against me. <laughs> oh, a handful of times. I played it top miracles. I was a, I was a big top miracles guy, and From the Ashes was one of my favorite cards to play with because it was like an you know an upgraded ruination that was amazing. So, yeah, to, to show you how much I love Depths, I played Depths for the entirety of the Top Miracles reign. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I mean, still, it wasn't that bad of a matchup, I think. I used it was it was it was rough. It depend on the version. If you were running anything remotely resembling um, Joe Lissette's list, that was borderline on. Oh yeah, well, Legends Miracles what? was. The- that's a bad deck i mean i I, I played it i played it there's a star city where i top aided with a like halfway between uh four ponders and you know i played four ponders still but like i wasn't quite on the legend package uh an scg event i think i did two of them and that deck is just it's once you get used to like playing the smooth cantropy versions where you never had to worry about your Delver matchup because those were my only losses were Delver decks because the Le- the Legends Miracles package your mana is just complete garbage. So, I mean, I think Joe was on like two Caracas, two Caverns, like that sounds about right. And yeah. it was just like, how do you open your and, and two planes, like two Caracas, two planes counterbalance, same deck. <laughs> so. It, Hard to hard to argue with the results. Oh no no, but, Joe. Yeah, I can. Joe crushed people. Uh, I never understood how I didn't lose to fast decks, but um, speaking of uh, fast decks, the Legacy Challenge. Uh, did you have a chance to look at the Legacy Challenge from this weekend? Yes, I have. Interesting stuff. The new uh, the new test list looks like it's finally. Uh, making its mark a lot of people have seen that quite a bit in leagues and these guys have been getting some pretty good results with it yeah i it's a it's a definitely a different take on the deck um i've seen it morphing slowly and slowly through bryant's uh facebook post but man um this new this newest version is just like it's the, the wish call talismans like he i think bryant was moving you know into that mox opal package with the main deck defense grids and everything else but now this wish call pack package is just insane to me 
yeah, it's it's definitely it's got a lot of power to it, and it neatly getting rid of the discard package and basically making the deck the deck is more or less immune to Veil of Summer. From the depth side, I've lost at least three different matches where they killed me with Veil in hand um, in the deciding game because the deck can just basically grape shot you so easily. Right. Yeah, the grape shot. The so, grape shot's hot. <laughs> Not gonna lie. So Veil. So traditional, like people are bringing in Veil of Summer to as like a storm card of choice, and that just does nothing or very close to nothing in the matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think this was Bryant's like plan was I I can't beat Veil of Summer if if unless I play cards that don't care about Veil of Summer. Yeah, I think the deck could always it always had the way, the ability to go get grape shot, but when it's primary one of its primary defense mechanisms anyway, where it was discard, it was just going to have a problem cleaning out the opponent's counter magic or answers. And now it's just like, well, you just can't cast your answers. I'm either going to grid you, veil you, or just overwhelm you by playing more than one uh, tutor and see what you can do about it. Well, in fact, the like the wish claw, and then <clears throat> chain of vapor, my wish claw out of the main deck, and yeah, that's, that's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I've also I've also had Lodge um, chain of vapor off the top, so that's that's a miserable feeling when. When you you know you have them in a spot, but if they happen to draw like ad nauseum or a tutor, they could kill you. So you have to go for it, and their one draws like chain of vapor main deck, and then you just want to, yeah, jump off a bridge. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, card card has quite a few uses. You know, main deck out the Thalia. You know, that's without having to wish. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Yeah, I mean everything about this deck is like it's so you know it reminds me of like uh the old adage of like combo decks like you know if you don't care about anything else you just you're built combo pure combo decks are just built to combo and i think this is more along those lines than ever before you know like it still has the veils and the defense grids but you know it's it's more all of its pieces are more about just going off and winning and nothing about playing a control role i mean i don't even think there's discard in the sideboard yeah there isn't there's no, no. no, it's just it's a couple more hopes to fight um, counter magic, but yeah. And the hope, no, no discard. And the hopes play well with um, Mox Opal, anyways. So they're like they're free, yeah. right? Like I, I do, I do yeah. like this a lot. I think this is a very well tuned, uh, scary deck. Yeah, I was actually testing this for a couple of weeks. Um, it was on my short list of decks for the format event, um, but. I'm not good enough with Storm yet to the point where I would run it in that kind of event. Um, one of the one of the minor frustrated wouldn't call it minor. One of the one of the points that I didn't like is I'm not I don't love draw seven effects in the dark. So basically, the deck you would get into some number of situations where you would be forced down an echo line and hope your next seven or the cantrips within that seven would get you to where you need to be and there's just enough of a fail rate plus my lack of skill with this kind of deck <laughs> that uh that you know took me off of it well i mean that's definitely like that's always like thing like when you when you used to ad nause like especially before past and flames like your ad nauseums would be like well i hope it kind of gets there like not sure if it will but we're gonna just spin the wheel so yes so it feels like if you get to a spot like the, the combo decks that I'm used to, if you get to the spot where you're resolving your big play, like 
you kind of want that to end the game. So whether that's Crystal Brand coming into play or Lodge coming into play or killing them with tendrils or whatever the case is, you want them belturing them, whatever whatever you choose to do. You, know, you kind of want them to die. The idea Spanish is you get a defense Inquisition. Grid. Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting a getting a defense grid or a veil of summer into play and then playing a draw seven and then you know, watching them use the seven cards you gave them to kill you if you just happen to draw, you know, a bunch of mana and or cards that just don't get there. That's kind of a feel bad, but I don't think that happens all that often. But it happened enough for, for an unskilled pilot to uh, not feel comfortable running in a major event yet. Well, I think it has to do with what, like, he probably has to ride a flame first. Or not, I'm sorry, not ride a flame. He always has to ride a flame. But, uh, no, he's got, he's got a veil of summer first, right? Like, you can yeah. get the veil of summer and then you don't care what they get off the echo. And that's a neat, I do think that's a neat line. Um Oh no! Absolutely. If you if you get if your hand gets there, then yeah, they're not gonna. They're generally not interacting. You either have grid or veil, something to shut them off of their hand more often than not. Um, but yeah, usually when you have to, there are some situations with echo where you just have, end up having to pass back, and that's usually a big problem. Um, in, in the top eight was also uh, one of my favorite picks for pillar of format is a uh, hogak de- or just hogak. Sorry. Hogak. <laughs> I want to call it depths. You, we got so used to like saying that in the beginning, but yeah, that that deck was so bad. I agree. That was one of my least favorite legacy. That just attacked from a very specific angle that the that the, the top couple of decks just weren't prepared for, and people didn't know how to play around the deck or play against the deck at all. They didn't have a sideboard against the deck. Like it just it had its little month or so run before people figured it out and the top decks changed it reminded me of the reanimator depths right you remember the reanimator depths that played the uh old land that sacks for three black um, yeah i think that had about a month long run yeah. too yeah same thing oh my goodness this is the scourge of the format where'd it go like i think i think uh what is it was it field of the dead lake of the dead lake of the dead went up lake of the and dead, yeah. then nobody played the deck anymore so but this, yeah, unlike those, this I think is a real deck. Oh, this is, this is like this reminds me of like the graduation of uh, like Spanish Inquisition to Tess, and this reminds me of Dredge get, being graduated up. Like I think Dredge is an amazing deck, but I do still think it's kind of like a a very, you know, it's it's very weak. You know, if people aren't playing the proper graveyard hate and they're just playing surgicals, dredge is great. This deck, I think has game against, you know, graveyard hate and it's kind of scary. Yeah. I think the matchup profile is similar. I think dredge, if you're going to play fair blue all day, dredge is just going to annihilate most of those decks. Um, I think Hogak is kind of in a similar space where it's most likely going to beat a lot of the same decks, but it's, plan is not nearly as crippled um it's got a little bit more of a fair game going on where it can just get a little beat down play a little vengevine you know it's it's got more going on um plus just the the ha here's my altar you just died right (laughs) plan yeah plus it's mana it's mana is more put together i think it can play a fair game against you know mana denial strategies and it can try to like you know work its way through i i do think like i love dredge and i think dredge is an amazing deck but i I don't like i hate playing dredge if they've got like more than 
you know, if they're back to like four and five pieces of graveyard hate, I'm like, eh, I don't really want to play dredge in those worlds. And I feel like this deck against four or five, you know, even the main deck can just, you can tangle with it. Yeah, and you mentioned the mana too. The mana is not just good for casting all that stuff. The sideboard in particular yeah. has so many answers to hate. Baby. You're looking at four Force of Vigors, three Abrupt Decay, and an Assassin's Trophy. So you have five answers to Leyline, um, a bunch of answers to whatever they decide to have, Crypt, whatever whatever their Containment Priest, whatever their hate card of choice is, you have at least four answers to every single piece that's not something like surgical or fairy macabre and this deck can easily play through either of those cards yeah i definitely i I'm, like i said this i mean i do like i like the stability of the mana i love this the the fact that if your hogak's not there for some whatever reason at least you can you're still putting beatdowns down like they still have to figure out what to do against the creatures on the ground yeah so um I saw an infect list in the top eight, and that baffled me. But then, I, then I saw the Okos and went, "Okay, never mind." <laughs> so. Yeah, infect's always been, yeah, here and there. I actually still like this deck. This deck's really fun to play against. His depths because they have a crop rotation wasteland, then crop rotation Caracas package plus their normal wasteland or uh, their normal, you know, I'm gonna kill you on turn two stuff. So it's a really interesting matchup to play against. I don't know how I feel about scale up, but apparently it's good enough. I guess it's like, you know, it's fine. I think it's probably better if they, yeah, they do. They have veils with veil scale up's got to be better than it ever was before. Yeah. Yeah. Post board. It's just a sorcery speed. Just, just irks me, but yeah, I can certainly see. And I guess like, if people so. are playing veils instead of fluster storms, scale up's probably great too. Like, I, I, I do look at this deck and I'm like ah, it's it's fast enough it's got disruption and then, then the Oko is like a very good plan B, C and it actually gives the deck removal besides besides berserking their Delver so do you think do you think this person won any games by just making a 3-3 elk and just having it pumped by high arc attacking for 4 or 5 uh, and then, then pumping it to like a 9-9 nine, nine at some point I watched Joe Lissette <laughs> lose gp was it was it columbus i think it was it was gp columbus to clay spicklemeyer with noble hierarchs noble hierarch pumping up to 20 you're dead so so this is this is just that on steroids yeah then. yeah like it had, the game had gone long joe had tapped to do something with venzer clay turned noble hierarch sideways with exalted triggers and pumped and you die and joe died i was just like really like, i was like so shocked like miracles just lost a, a noble high arc <laughs> but <laughs> but you know we're like Del or like delver gets a dreadhorde arcanist into play your glistener elf is just staring at it you have no pump spells and you're just like oh i'll make it a three three and start attacking <laughs> yep <laughs> uh dnt that's that's dnt also made the top eight uh, looks like two. I I don't get it. I have no respect for the deck, but it keeps doing well. So, why do you have no respect for DNT? <sighs> because everything's so much more powerful and faster, and it's kind of like the it reminds me more of like a safety valve deck now than anything else. Like 
So you're not a big you're not a big believer in more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, um, I am, I am, but not when those sum of the parts equal batter skull or sort of X and Y on a tutu. Like I don't know. Uh, I I see it too. The overwhelming majority of my matches are from depths, so I have a healthy respect for. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, trust me. I <laughs> yes, <laughs> this deck keeps you up at night. <laughs> this is a this is probably the worst matchup of the top tier decks. Oh yeah, by by a significant margin. Well, especially when they played Tomic, I was always like, "Why are you even playing Tomic?" Like before the Ren- the rise of Ren and Six, like they were like talking about playing Tomic to fight depths and i was just like i don't think you guys need yeah, to chalk I don't, up more for that <laughs> i don't i don't think the better players did that i, I don't remember running into too many Tomics out of death and taxes prior to red and six right. and then it was and then it was giver of runes and Tomic everywhere out of those lists but yeah i don't think Tomic is maybe it's a sideboard card um it's fine for the mirror yeah meta considerations it could be a sideboard card i think but it's hard to i mean you just look down just looking at these lists right here like there's room even within these lists so the two x1 lists had two and three revokers and revokers probably as good as it's ever been right now with the amount of ogos and planeswalkers everywhere so and then they also have two and zero um Mirren Crusaders, which is just a busted card in certain matchups. So when you're already when you're already uh, slimming on some cards that are they're clearly very very good, I don't know how you make room for that. Oh yeah, I, I definitely yeah. Think it's Mirren Crusader because they've already already. I mean, the, uh, Sarah Avenger's been gone. You know, rest rest yeah. in peace, Sarah Avenger. But uh, you know, I think the one's got remorseful cleric in the main deck, which is cute. Yeah, I always liked it as a split card for DNT, but. I don't know if it's the right meta for it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they... I don't know how the Hogak matchup is. You think it wouldn't be that bad with them main decking a handful of Krakuses? Maybe it is. Maybe they just can't... Maybe they're cold to something, like... Unless they have, like, Flicker Wisp off Vile. Maybe they're just cold to... Alter combo. Um, the alter combo, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, they. I mean, I've always looking at their their, their sideboard cards. This was the one's got active authority. <laughs> It's just like, I guess that's your, that's your, is that another hedge against, uh, no, that's the, that's the exiled a target artifact or enchantment. Yeah. Why? I guess for the secondary use. So you get two uses out of it, right? Yeah. So it's almost like a flashback. I guess. I don't know. I know deafening silence has been like the big hot thing for a while. Yeah, I mean they've they've that's been a DNT wish list item for as long as I've been playing Legacy. There's always there's always the old dynamic among the Storm crew is you can just kill them under Thalia. So if you have a turn one hand of any kind, you know, whether that's you know, making double digit goblins out of tests or going for it. So they had that opening, especially on the draw, where Storm could often try to kill them on turn two. If Storm was on the play having that turn one piece is a big deal i'm guessing if i ran this deck i would also want to have some number of copies of that card yeah they got you know i mean definitely played definitely some well they were playing chalices with like one ancient tomb for a while which i always felt was like kind of strange because like the most of their three mana plays were double white so 
Yeah, you'd be surprised when 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 they curve turn two recruiter into turn three palace jailer. Oh, <laughs> That's true. pretty powerful in a lot of matchups. <laughs> or just or that that equipment hits at a, just its turn early. The jit gets a hit on turn three or. You know, batter skull comes down on turf, whatever it is. There's there's some there's some uses for that card. I definitely saw it. I'm a snap I'm a snapcaster deck, so I've always laughed at the palace jailers because I've always like there's not I, I started playing palace jailer and miracles uh, really early because I loved everyone playing palace jailer on me, and then getting to like V click in or snapcaster swords attack and get the monarch, and then once miracles would get the monarch, you it never would give it back. Yeah, I'd imagine it's hard to lose from that spot. So I've always had like this like Palace Jailer is like mediocre. Um but I liked it. I, I started playing it because I liked it so much. I was just like, man, like cuz some like people started not playing it cuz like they kept losing it. And like then I was just like, well, I have to play my own now. So I don't know how I feel about it with this list. I like this list, the fourth place list, I think. Um, I do like it. No, no, not fourth place. Third place. It's got Cataclysm. Cataclysm keeps me up at the night. That's a scary, that's a scary card. <laughs> I would imagine so. I never, I never beat, I beat that card twice. Um, and I like the, I like the walking ballista. I like the double paths. I like this list a lot. Yeah. Walking ballista is frustrating. That, that card has beaten me a handful of times where you just have this hand where you can have a combo on turn two so you play like an accelerated off of like a moxer pedal you play an accelerated um Vamp. uh hex yeah. mage yeah and and you're like okay if they want to plow this that's fine i have a backup way to count to combo um yeah that kind of thing and i'm going to use the crop rotation as protection the following turn play the depths not the protection up and they just play walking ballista and kill X mage and <laughs> it's just not a it's not a trade you're particularly happy with oh no well especially when they get the keep the ballista that's when like the nightmare contingency start hitting <laughs> you're just like what well, how did this happen <laughs> like i hate the walking ballista is a card that it comes at more and more decks and i and i keep thinking it's underplayed and then i keep seeing it in more decks I'm like maybe it's maybe it's not but it's it really is kind of busted yeah, and you, you always make the assumption that short of like a, a surprise piece of equipment, like a sort of fire ice or something like that, that here's this mono white deck, they can't possibly have reach. But then they have they have like say a vial on three and a pile of mana. They just recruiter at the end of the turn. Yep. <laughs> it's like oh, here's here's my reach. It's it's a it's definitely a oh I had solid card. I had my snake killed by it the other day. Like I put I put my snakes in play and I was like I'm fine. This is, everything's good. And they were like recruiter i'm like whatever silly boy recruiter i don't care and they're like walking but walking b and i'm like i care because <laughs> i was prepared for palace jailer and i had a snake in my hand and i was like this is great but they like went and got the ballista and they put it on three and i was just like well well this was a bad day <laughs> so yeah i don't know I, I like uh i like this list a lot i like everything it's got going for it um I think a split of Gideon and Cataclysm is neat. Um, the second place list. I knew you were going to go. I there. have to. It's, so it's since, since, since you since it's your primary deck, how what what is your uh, what is your analysis of Honorog's deck? 
Honorog likes a lot of effects. Honorog, I would I would call Honorog <laughs> the Tom Hep of miracles if he can play a one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you got that backwards. Maybe I'm the Honorog of depths. I don't believe he should be the the me of another deck. I believe he's much more known for miracles than I am for depths. Yeah, but you don't draw enough cards. I can't call you. I don't know. I don't know how to go with it. <laughs> he, oh, either way, I'm sorry. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> he likes to draw. He likes to draw a lot of cards. But this is this is nuts. One Fluster Storm, one Pyroblast, one Veil of Summer, and a lot of effects to mitigate this. Uh, I love Savine Seven's Reclamation. Whatever. I think that card's bonkers. Um, I was actually watching him stream, and people were trying to talk him out of it, and it kept buying back Oko. And yeah, I, let me let me tell you a quick story on that card, the reclamation. So, I was in game two and I surgicaled my miracles opponent, and saw they had one copy of Teferi. So I had double protection set up. I had a not of this world and a crop rotation with a combo. They played Teferi. I cringed because my protection no longer worked. But I had an abrupt decay too. So it's like okay, I'll wait a turn. I'll abrupt decay their Teferi. I'll be fine. I abrupt decayed, they untapped, they played Reclamation and put it right back into play. And I cried. Oh yeah. And went on to lose the game. It's like that that's that's something that you look at the card and you're like, this is kinda soft. Like it's just three casting cost sorcery. Card already has to be in the yard. And then you see it in action and it's significantly better than it looks at first glance. Oh I I mean, I played it off at Teferi so I played it off at Teferi a Teferi Plus where I bought back <laughs> I bought back two snakes and my opponent like just ate it. They had taken my terminuses out. They had surgical my termin my swords of plowshares. They were like looking at the chops like game over. I plus everything's on the battlefield. They can see what it's happening. And I'm like they, they can see this. They're not gonna fall for this. And no, they did. Because they didn't pay attention to the flashback and you know to fairies, you know, plus and I just bought it back and they were just like But but that happened? And I'm like, yeah yeah why, why wouldn't it happen it's perfectly fine for this card to have a flashback of five <laughs> so <laughs> i do think the card is kind of bonkers um in the fact that it, it, i guess it scales with what you can buy back but because of oko the astrolabe the snakes even a fetch land it's i, I bought a lot i've used it in the early game to get a fetch land to kind of skip ahead on mana and to get away from, you know, when I'm down on mana. So like I, I've, I've actually quite enjoyed the card. Yeah. I, I think as a one of it's, it's nicely set up. How do you feel a lot of the lists, a lot of the ways this list has differed. See, I'm a man who has surgical extraction, a lot of miracles players. So I'm very familiar with their setups. <laughs> so, so, so I've, I've ripped them feel? apart, looked inside their soul. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how do you feel about, I guess the, a couple of the things on this list that are a little bit different than what I see more often than not is the three ice fangs with the fourth and the sideboard. And I often see two Mystic Sanctuaries, not one. Those two, those two jump out right away. Um, what are your feelings on that? Um, I started testing one when I went to the fourth color splash. Um, I don't talk to Anurag very often anymore. So, but I watch a stream. I'm, I'm assuming he came up with the same thing I did. The liability of having your opener messing up your mana made it problematic. Um, okay. 
the fourth Ice Fang, I don't know unless... So I guess when I'm looking at this list, I see four total Ice Fangs. So he doesn't... He's still not comfortable with Delver, you know, without a little bit more help. Also, I guess it, you know, it does play in other matchups really well. Um, the the deafening silence, I guess, is the hedge for the new test deck, but I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I guess the other thing that really jumps out is four copies of Rest in Peace. <laughs> well, that's the Hogak. That's because that that matchup is is awful. <laughs> That that I get, and that's just yeah, and that's just the uh, that, for this kind of style of deck, that's just the single best hate piece. Oh yeah, I mean you could you could okay. split it three, rest in peace, one containment priest, but I think you okay. want the they always have the kill spell because they always have the abrupt decay. I don't know. Oh, we don't have a counterbalance effect a lot of times anymore to, to draw the abrupt decay anymore, so they always have it. Okay, so you assume that barring Veil of Summer, you're not going to be able to protect it. Yeah. Well, and okay. even then, it's hard to. It's still hard to protect it because you've probably already fired it off against the discard. Okay, fair enough. So at least in this case, you've at least shut off whatever progress they had made in the yard. Yeah. The permanent, as opposed to Priest, which all their stuff would just be sitting there, and then the second they get the the clear out, they're good to go. Yeah, it's just it's really hard. You can't. You can't get them. It's not like Reanimator where there's a spell in the stack and you you at least get, you know, the one spell and then they can abrupt decay it and move on. Like, you, you, everything that they have in their yard can just wait as long as the priest is there. You know, the only trigger that you can get is the blood gas, I think. And even still, if they have another fetch lane in play, they can get you through the priest. So... You know, I, I, I think it's kind of tough. I, I do like the way... And I don't even think... Priest stops Hogak, right? Yeah, if it's from their hand, it doesn't even stop Hogak. Yeah. So I guess we're also at the point where there's so much blue where main deck Pyroblast is a thing again. <laughs> Looks like that took the second Veil slot and Veil slided over to the sideboard. Yeah, I don't... I'm not a big fan of Pyroblast in the main, but I get it. I play a lot against a lot, against a lot of non-blue decks, so that I'm jaded. But... I don't know. I don't like Pyroblast. I love the Veil. I even like the Flusterstorm. Yeah, Flusterstorm is very good. I've heard quite a few people talk about how good it is, and I've run it quite a bit, and I could see why that would be a very effective card in the current meta. Everything else is just like, eh. I'd almost rather splash black than red at this point, but maybe because of Veil's premise, like, you want it. I don't know. No, so you're, you're not making the correct decision. You just need to scroll down the standings a little bit to see uh, Svaka's labeled four-color Astrolabe deck, which is really a five-color deck. They just labeled it wrong, and you can have all of it. You can you can run you can run a handful of blasts and the discard. Uh, we are here at Thirst for Knowledge Cast. We are <laughs> pro pro Svaka. Thomas Marr is a genius. I don't know how he gets away with the nonsense. He gets away with in every meta. He's always like, give me more colors. You know, I think he's actually probably trying to write wizards. Give me a six color to play with. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy because I remember a lot of people basically complaining when, because he is, he's essentially made the original check pile list, right? Yeah. When it was, or one of, yeah. Yeah. He he was one of, and when it went to four colors. 
and and now it's like oh well, this is and people used to be like oh this is the greediest pile ever this thing's so greedy it even had two copies of wasteland and and several versions of it and people are like oh, this is the greediest thing i've ever seen and uh you know turn the clock about a year later and we've added a completely additional color <laughs> and we're playing everything and no death rights no death rights. We're playing everything we've got we've got multiple black green spells in the main multiple black blue spells multiple green blue spells multiple double blue spells <laughs> this thing is just it's a work of art hey you can take this man's run six away but he will still play bayou tundra volk <laughs> he does not care Scr- <laughs> scrublins also yeah. makes an appearance too. yeah well that's just because you know they gotta you got to you don't have to have red and green on two anymore and and three and yeah. three astrolabes. That's what amazes me about the five color deck. He's like, I only need three. Like that's been since the GP weekend, um, the the Euro GP. He played, he played this there. I played it at my local. I got demolished by my de- death and taxes opponents and have set it back down away for a while. But you know, I did get the pleasure of Teferi plus him, you and your draw step. That was it. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I played against him in a league maybe like two or three weeks ago, and I was not familiar with this list. I think it was right before, maybe it was a little longer than two or three weeks ago. It was right before this list became kind of talked about. Um, and he just like it was like discard spell into like <laughs> like a tundra into like Oko, and I was like, what in the world is this? He hymned me. So in game two, I surgicaled and I looked the the mana base, and I'm like. If this deck doesn't have an astrolabe, I can actually cut this. I can reasonably cut this deck off of white. Like I can legitimately ghost quarter off one of the two white dual lands, and the four plows are suddenly uncastable, and that's what happened in game three. So this deck is—it's something else. But if you have, you know, without full information, I don't know how anyone's supposed to play against this deck. Like, how are you supposed to plan your turns out against the plow, ponder, inquisition of Kozilek, drown in the lock? Jace the Mind Sculptor to Fairy Time Raveler deck. Like, it's like you try to plan it out and you're like, I have no idea what's going on here. It's just every color, good stuff. It's every every color. He could not decide. <laughs> like, the only thing he missed out on was he said he didn't need lightning bolts anymore. So, oh, you guys actually talked to him about the list? No, 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 no. I'm just talking about like when I look at it, like, you've got all the classic, oh, oh. the classic ones, right? You've got Ponder, you've got, well, he doesn't, he was playing Thought Seize, now he's playing Inquisition. Who cares? Same same effect. You know, I want to stop the early legacy nonsense. So you got Ponder, Brainstorm, yeah. Inquisition, uh, Swords of the Plowshares. Uh, he's dropped Lightning Bolt for Red Blast. He thinks that's better. And then he's got what I now call the fifth one mana spell, which is Veil of Summer. So, like, he's got, like, all the one mana spells. So, you know, and it's, it's nuts. This list is actually nuts. Um, because it's only got three astrolabes. I, I can't get over three with the five color deck. I just cannot. <laughs> like, there's only two basics. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, if it works, it works. Oh yeah. But I re- I respect anyone that jams multiple copies of Inquisition of Kozilek. They're just they're just okay. As someone that's taken a ton of crap for running that card in depth shells over the years, I will I will give the respect card to anybody that runs that card. Oh, it's just. This is like this is like one one mana hotness dot deck. Um, I just don't get like spell pierce. Like there's every one mana legacy playable and everything just all in one deck. And then 
three astrolabes. I, I'm not going to, I can't talk about it anymore. Three. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I, I can't wake up in the morning and go five colors, three astrolabes done. So, uh, poker wizard took this whole event down with mono red bone crush you. <laughs> oh, this is the, Oh, this is a hybrid. When you said bone crusher, I, I assumed you meant the, um, like the red Eldrazi yeah. version that's floating around. That's usually where you see that card, but this is actually just straight up moon stompy where just replaced a couple slots with bone crushers. It looks like, and I think it's a perfect, you know, it's perfect because it's like everything you ever wanted because it's like a kill spell at two that also can become a threat because the deck has like inconsistency issues inconsistency issues and hasn't been able to deal with the planeswalker since the the one rules update i think mtg origins rule, rules update so like ever since fiery confluence and chandra got kicked to the curb due to planeswalker damage i love i think this list is hot yeah, it's interesting. I thought that this style of deck would have a little bit more problems nowadays now that so many more decks just have main deck answers to some of the problem cards. Like You see Brazen Borrower and Delver decks and various other decks. You see Oko literally everywhere to answer some of like the hate pieces out of the artifact side of the deck, Chalice and Transfer, that kind of stuff. Like It seems like decks have so many more main deck outs to these lock pieces, but obviously, I mean, they went 5-2 in the Swiss, so it didn't dominate that portion of it but yeah there's still eight two overall and the challenge is really good so yeah i mean i think you know because i mean five two with a deck like this anyways is is i think pretty respectable with the amount of variance this deck brings i've played this deck a lot i never like it i never feel good about it <laughs> yeah i mean it feels like i mean maybe maybe i'm wrong i've seen phil gallagher stream it and he says like there's a lot of difficult decision points but it strikes me as the kind of deck where you're kind of like forced down paths and maybe mulligan decisions are yes. a bigger piece of it. But like, I would imagine that your hands only really do one or two things correct at the opening. And then, you know, you kind of go where your draws go from there, but yeah, yeah, def- definitely not my style of deck, but you know, jamming a turn one blood moon just wins games. I'm assuming a large amount of time and you know, even if they're weaker against some of the newer cards, Chalice and Trinisphere still do the same. Yeah, I think that's what it is. He's got the Trinispheres up up front. You know, some of them were cutting down on Trinispheres. Plus, K-Command's not as popular. So, like, your prison elements are probably sticking pretty hard. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus the eight-pack of Planeswalkers. Yeah. yeah eight. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I like Fiery Confluence. It seems like that's where the, the trims were. Um to get the bone crushers into the deck. Yeah. Well, they cut like a Magus of the moon and then a couple of confluences. Yeah. But like Goblin Rabble Master is still a clock. Like that card is, that card is obnoxious. Like, yeah, it's interesting that they're off the other goblin, the Legion, Legion War Boss. Yeah. Whatever the other one that made the one ones that also had the mentor. Yeah. The plus one, plus one trigger. Yeah. That, that was a mainstay for a little while, but that looks like it did not stick or isn't good enough in the current metagame, I guess. Well, probably, I think it looks like they probably went with, they, they rounded out to the eight full walkers. So that's probably where they got their, and well, also the Trinispheres, they have three in the main and three bridges. So that's probably like where their cuts, they, they cut the Legion war bosses. So. 
you know, whatever the last thing to stick is kills you. Oh, whether that's whether that's a Chandra, the Rabble Master, or Carnalatus. All right, Ch- I guess that's Chandra Awakened Inferno from the sideboard. That card is. Is that the, is that the six yeah. drop? Yeah. <laughs> God, that card is. I hate every card that says it can't be countered, and like Wizards just keeps doubling down on it. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at the image of that card right now, and I love how the this spell can't be countered is all by itself at the top oh, yeah. with like a de- with like a decent amount of space above and below it. Like here, let this sink in a little bit. You control players. Yeah. <laughs> this can't be countered. It's gonna have maybe eight loyalty the second they activate <laughs> with a, with a permanent effect left behind it's an emblem you know one of one of the, my yeah. favorite interaction points that you can't interact with emblem that's put on you <laughs> i think eventually they're going to have some way to interact with if not emblems outright there there has to be another way to interact with planeswalkers i think they're just they either have to they're either gonna have to scale back on the power level a little bit or there's going to have to be more more answers readily available yeah i agree i mean he's got he's got or he or she this person has uh everything i've ever seen in the wishboard including liquid metal coating just in case like i liquid metal coating is a beating <laughs> i had a uh a, i guess it was some kind of post deck that went voltaic voltaic key voltaic key into turn to karn that basically shut off every land i played during my upkeep oh yeah <laughs> and then started offing them one at oh, a time yeah. it's like that's cute yeah. <laughs> that's cute look you can untap liquid metal coating and hit three of my lands so they can never play a uh, any non-instant spell and then you'll pick them off one by one that's yeah hadn't seen the uh, volca- voltaic key aspect of that before but yeah this this card is uh, very very good if you can jam a card out on t- i mean this deck can do it on turn one pretty reasonably between oh no wait did they yeah they have they have chrome boxes and they have this yeah i saw for i missed this i mean spirit guide the first look through yeah so they have the eight accelerants you know plus eight soul lands so it's reasonable that karn's gonna come down on turn two for sure oh it's just this deck is like this deck gives me nightmares i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i guess as well as decks like every time i play with it it just might be my player skills just not good enough i don't know i play with this deck it feels like a just a f- pile of nonsense like if i if i don't resolve like a spell within the first three spells i'm dead but then when my opponents play it and i like counter three other things in a row i'm like oh yeah then they're like fourth thing that kills you and i'm like do you ever run out like (laughs) like yeah from the depths perspective this deck is so play draw reliant it's it's by far the most play draw reliant matchup i've ever played in legacy basically if you can hit them with a discard spell you can often poke a hole because yeah, their hand only you know does one or two things generally and one of them from depths you probably don't care about so if they have like the ability to play a moon and a chandra early you're like oh i don't care about the chandra take the moon and you can poke a hole but if they go first they're either playing a turn one blood moon or a turn one chalice or trinosphere and you sit there for a turn and then they play the moon or whatever behind it and you're just like well i hope i find a force of vigor <laughs> or where the game is over on the spot i do think it's cute since the rule change um i think that was excellent block where they can build your own depths for you yeah this was the worst matchup for depths in the format before that rule change now you can just you know you run force of vigors they literally have to consider magus is still a problem because then you still have to build to decay with basics or uh, mana artifacts slash elvish spirit guides but 
um, the blood moon itself, if they have a turn one blood moon, they can just die on the spot. Yeah. It's like you just play dark depths and then pass the turn and force it bigger them at their end step. Like, so that, that's particularly risky. That matchup, the matchup went from very, very hard to very, very, uh, high variance. Yeah, definitely. With, I definitely think that like that this was the rule change was beneficial for for you guys greatly because it used to be miserable but this is I, I do like i think this deck is solid i think everything about this deck i do like the bone crushers i really was surprised by them and as, as i thought about them more and more i was like it's kind of nice like i'm certainly delver's probably an annoying for, thing for them i don't know what else they really need it for the one of dead gone's hysterical oh my god there's no, yeah there's no way I, there's no way i would play around i was, that. I was gonna ask you about that <laughs> how do you feel about that dead gone <laughs> well it used to be like a three of or maybe still is a three of in the uh, red eldrazi versions so there i still leave in answers to it and play around it but here and against just your standard mono red prison there's no way i would play around it and still even knowing it's there as a one of i wouldn't play around right. it well, I mean, they so, have to have it, right? Like, yeah, it's, and they have really no way short of Chandra to even look at additional cards. And, and so. Chandra's not good for that, anyways, right? Like, you have to cast it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there's no way to even get closer to it, theoretically. But yeah, I'm still never playing around it. But but I'm looking at that Chandra still. I think this is fine. If they if they can get the six mana against you, too bad. This card deserves to beat you. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it's. But but they do. I mean, even with the snakes and the okos, you still your clock is terrible. So yeah, sure. But that's kind of the point. If if they're going to get the six mana, especially considering they're probably going to burn some number of cards on their early play. So if they, if they have a simian spirit guide, they're burning that on an early play. You know that kind of thing. So if they get back to six, that's at least two soul lands and two mountains or a chrome box the mountain and two soul lands they deserve they can get the six mana they deserve to start giving you emblems oh man <laughs> it's not it's not even nice i had to play with it i had to play against that card from a land strategy when i was playing rug delver and it got me like i i ended up beating them because i had like uh dreadhorde arcanist i was gonna say little jace that's what i always think of him he's like jace for delver dreadhorde arcanist and lightning bolts and stuff like that and i was able to just like get there but for a little bit i was just like this is scary like this card this card is just obnoxious i was like looking at this daze and force will in my hand i was like whatever you got me you know they were porting me keeping me down porting me and porting me and then like they tapped all six mana and i was just like what what's going on and that thing came down so this card's a scary card i don't know if it's legacy playable but um and then we, we can brought I don't know if there's anything in the deck dump that even matters. Yeah, I think most of it's um, your normal week-to-week stuff. There's some interesting stuff. I like the... Uh, where did it go? The Rugged Natural Order deck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's a fun one. And ninjas. <laughs> there's some there's some spice in here. But I love ninjas. You know. Oh, it, the Urza Adopter Sword deck. It's like the Tezzeret deck that adopted... Um, that dropped Tez and, and it's just playing Thopter Sword. Me and Lawrence talked about it for a second last week. It's like Yeah, this actually this I got posted a couple of times recently. Did good like in a preliminary tier. Yeah, right? Yep, that's where we talked about it. Yeah. It's this deck is crazy. It's like I look at it and I'm like, is this good? I'm like, well 
It's got a lot of basics. It can play. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. It can play a lot of different games. The fact that Sword of the Meek is only Carnival, I I, I just can't. Hats off to the whoever thought of that, but in my Emery deck, I just can't see that. Why Why would I not have at least one? Let me just have one, especially over that one Demir Signet. Yeah, maybe the mana's kind of sketchy with four ancient tombs. Yeah, I guess. I feel like this mana's strong compared to Tezzeret. Tezzeret was like the worst. It was a three-color deck with Wastelands and Ancient Tomb. Yeah, they definitely want to have double blue early, though. You kind of want to get her into play. The, the Ninjas deck... Ninjas is going to be a deck, I think, that will eventually make it there. I don't know about with Arayo. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just. Oh, oh my God. Maybe I'm being short-sighted here, but I just can't see Ornithopter being in a, in a tier one legacy deck. It's not bad with the retrofitter foundries. Sure, I mean I get the synergy aspect of it. Maybe, maybe this is my uh, my my D and T blind spot yeah. that you have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just looking at this card and I'm just like I just don't see it. You know, the the one one changeling the outcast and the four ornithopters and just looking at the average power level of this of this deck and I'm like i just i just don't see it the arayos the arayos <laughs> there it's bothering me i keep looking at it and i'm like why why is this in here your ninjutsu deck your man is busy but I, I mean if you get there the rug natural order deck uh is is definitely up my alley of old legacy school decks and i like this better than the opposition deck that was doing well yeah there's no way i'm not gonna like a deck that is main decking hunt master of exactly the and legacy oh. that's that's it's hard to argue it's like all right i concede this deck is cool oh yeah everything about this deck is the uh oh no two two arkham's astrolabes three ponders <laughs> <laughs> there there were there were decisions two green suns what <laughs> just the right amount they just needed the right amount of acceleration plus natural order filler cards yeah everything else is like is like basic i don't think that like the food chain deck that's a deck that i love to play but can't ever play it in a professional event just because it doesn't do enough for what it does it and alarm alarm's another deck i love it but they don't do enough so yeah uh, this also has the uh, the Oko. So sometimes I feel like a lot of these decks are just, is this deck better now that Oko's in it? And the answer is probably yes. Yeah. So this is like the fourth different deck we've seen. It's like, oh, there's Food Chain with Oko. Oh, there's Infect with Oko. Oh, there's Aluren with Oko. Oko's not a problem. Oko's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strong card. If Elf starts playing, well, even that, that, uh, that no Tez tezzeret deck had oko in it that urza deck that urza pile was an oko deck so i don't know maybe i don't know what what makes it problematic i just feel like the card's too slow so it's not bannable yet i don't think anything's bannable the, the meta's been moving relatively quickly and gonna get another new set soon and i feel like a lot of people's focus kind of shifted away momentarily we'll see 
we'll see what people come up with in the next few months but i don't think anything's getting banned in the near future well speaking of new set we did get a bunch of spoilers leading into the uh new year i think we're actually not that far from uh pre-release season i guess and uh is there anything that you saw that makes you go hmm uh i mean the red enchantment is interesting i don't know that it's <laughs> i'm not a storm pilot or a graveyard deck um specialist to the point where i would know what it does specifically but it seems that the power level is certainly there whether the cards exist to make it better than the existing storm shells or the existing graveyard decks that's i don't know my initial guess would be no but maybe it is maybe some combination of cards exist that are going to put that over the top of the power level looks like it's there for the for those driving the card we're talking about is underworld breach it's one in a red. It's an enchantment because that makes no sense. Uh, each non-land <laughs> card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. And then at the beginning of the end step, which also makes no sense, sacrifice underworld breach. So it's kind of like a past in flames that is an enchantment, but you can delve part of the cost back. And you can return the enchantment to use the pass and flames later. So, you know, I, I've been looking at this as like a, a, a way to abuse Echoes of Echo of Eons and LED because it doesn't exile the cards that are cast with escape. So they go back to the graveyard. So like if you can somehow set up an Echo of Eons LED loop and... Um, well, not that as a loop, but like to refuel your hand and then somehow get uh what's the card? Enter the infinite with an LED. Um, you're going to be able to do some nonsense. Yeah, I guess the open question is whether you can get enough cards into the graveyard to do that reasonably. Well, LED. And whether that... It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, to pay the three to cycle the LED a couple of times. Right. So you have to remove the three cards every time. So the LED is free, quote, but it's yeah three cards. So are you going to be able to consistently get the cards to loop that a couple of times to be able to right. really get ahead to get to something like enter the infinite i think that's an open question as to whether that would be open you up to graveyard hate or open you up to some additional angles that maybe some of the other existing either graveyard decks or storm decks aren't as vulnerable to well, i think the graveyard hate will definitely be a problem with a card like this because you would primarily probably be designed only to go through the graveyard but it's a neat card um I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't mention Thirst for Meaning. We're not changing the podcast title yet. i got to talk to Lawrence. But uh, it's uh, Thirst for Knowledge, but it draws three, discards two, unless you discard an enchantment. And for me, it's uh, Wizard's Dagger at Merfolk Players as they've released another Merfolk Arts card that does nothing for Merfolk-style decks. So... No merfolk in the five O dump this week either. Uh, <laughs> so. It's because they keep daggering them. They don't want to show up. Uh, I do think it's funny that they printed the the wrath of storms, and does that start a new cycle? And in in flavor of Wizards' decision to make cards that don't do anything against planeswalkers in red for a red deck. It says deal four damage to 
each creature and each planeswalker but all planeswalkers currently in standard start with six loyalty so hey it's you know it's cool yeah exactly <laughs> that's the first thought i had was when i saw the card was oh this doesn't even kill oko like why bother well, i mean they they killed him off with the band cycle but even like the this royal scions and stuff they they go to six like garooks and yeah. it's like it's kind of funny at this point for me but everything else is yeah. eh, everything else is nah i mean there's a hate hound that's that will be cool you had a really neat it's name a, for it uh it wasn't mine it was um it was john ryan hamilton he had uh what was it i'm gonna blank on what the name of it is graph graph dodger's <laughs> cage yeah that's what he said it was yeah so yeah that's pretty funny but it's a three-headed dog so i don't know how you argue with that <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the stats are actually pretty good i don't know that it's legacy playable probably not but three three for three a vigilance menace lifelink that essentially shuts off guards from the graveyard and can't cast from the graveyard that's it's reasonably strong it's probably too little too late against most of the legacy graveyard decks but i mean i think it's crazy it's not it's nothing. a crazy yeah. card um it doesn't stop it's not quite Grafticker's Cage because it doesn't stop from libraries. So you could play it in a Green Sun Zenith deck if it was green. But instead it's black-white and they're basically the worst color pairs in every format, I would say at this point. So Yeah, if this card was just black-white with two heads instead of three, and it was a 2-2 two -two instead of 3-3, three -three, I think this card would be amazing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People, people would make the black-white work if it was... But the difference between 2 and 3 in Legacy for a Graveyard Hate card is enormous. It's already... The bar for 2 is already rest in peace. <laughs> so, yeah, you're really... We, we also got a... Since uh, since we talked last, we got a Surgical Extraction effect that draws a card. Um, oh, I must have missed that card. Oh, yeah, it just... It came out... It's come out since we talked. Ah. Uh, it's one black mana instant. Cling the dust. Exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, you gain three life. Otherwise, you draw a card. And then it's got escape three and a black. Exile five other cards to recast it. Interesting. But it's like reminiscent of that old... Um, what was that effect that they used to play? Because they could attune for it. Um Oh, it's still Eric's still running a copy of that. It's a coffin yeah, coffin purge. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's still in there. I was for the format finals. I was testing among other decks, black red reanimator, and uh, I was testing the mirror with him, and that is amongst the most miserable magic matchups that are in existence. Like boarding out your gristle brands, and like the literal best card in the mirror is coffin purge. Oh yeah, I could definitely see that. There's also a, like, a painful truth. Too. they they reprinted painful truth again okay but this time it's an enchantment and you don't lose life at first you lose life later so it's two and a black when it enters the battlefield draw three cards whenever you cast a spell you lose one life uh if it becomes the target of a spell or ability sack it so they don't want you bouncing it and recasting it a lot okay so i don't know if that'll be good or not but some of them are playing Painful Truth, so I don't know. Um, everything else is like blah. Well, that's good for a change. 
I could use a set or two where there's only five to ten cards to evaluate for legacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely nice. I do wonder about the red green god, but Renan- it's interesting. I mean, it's a four point life swing, but still, it's there's a decent cost to it. It's just well, it's just like it's almost scary because it's like it's like real close to being playable, but red green is. Because Ren and Six is gone, I don't think it's playable at all. If Ren and Six was in the format, uh, I don't know. Um, it's, it would be kind of scary to me then. So uh, I do like the fact that they're trying to print these cards that aren't busted. I hope they continue. I'm scared of Elspeth, but just because he's, I don't like the buyback. When things get bought back, it gets scary. Yeah, that's actually another interesting card. That was one of the ones that kind of stood out. It's like four points of essential. If you have two creatures out, it's essential. Another white reach card, kind of. Right. You know, suddenly they're attacking for four more than you expected. Um, you know, plus it really goes wide with all the extra tokens. And then, like you said, it comes back and does one or the other. It's either like a massive anthem on the, the last swing or going even wider. Um, but it is a four drop. So, I mean, it should be doing something relatively powerful for it's like two and two white, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's definitely four. Yeah. So I, I think it's, so I think that card's perfectly, I don't know about other formats, but in legacy, that card's perfectly reasonable. It's one of those things where I just don't like the fact that it, you can rebuy it over and over. Like, it's just like that, that gets me like going, man, like you can rebuy it over and over again. Do they not remember Yogg will like, <laughs> it's like is that how that is that how that kind of works you can just do it indefinitely yeah because it's well as long as you have the the fuel okay you know because it just requires you to exile cards for whatever the escape cost is so yeah i wasn't sure if escape specifically had any language that would yeah it well it because (laughs) it returns the card and it doesn't make a token okay so the card comes back into play so if it dies again it's back in the graveyard so, and and the what it says on the escape mechanic reminder clause doesn't give anything else of of nature. But I I do think we might get some more graveyard hate spells in the format. So because of yeah, well, you, you just mentioned the one right, the one casting cost yeah. one. So yeah, but and the dog too. Maybe those are the two hate cards. <laughs> uh, there's also the sneak attack god. I know that I'll make Jeremy happy inside. I mean, why would you play sneak attack when you can pay one more and maybe one time, one day have a creature? Right. I mean, all it requires you <laughs> that getting to play is four more red pips. How hard is that? It's like two blood moons. I don't know. I'm done. Easy. easy oh, an yeah. Infer- Inferno they, Titan. Didn't they used to, didn't they used to run uh, young pyromancer out of the sideboard? Yeah, but that was the, Naked. the, that take through time treasure cruise deck. Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure. I thought that was a alternate win con at one point, even after the Delve cards went. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it was unfortunately during the Dig Through Time meta because it was very, very obnoxious. You'd be prepared with all your Fluster Storms. And I was at, I, I can't remember which Grand Prix I was at. Like, I brought all these cards in. I felt really good. And then they're like Young Pyromancer on turn one. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we We didn't sign up for this. So, um, well, Tom, I, I thank you very much. I'm going to make sure and 
get your do you, do you know do you uh do you have a twitter account yeah i'm negator 77 on twitter see i knew i saw it somewhere uh, and i'm at raceland i am uh lawrence is at lawrence Harmon. one word our editor liz is at eli of the veil and thirst for knowledge cast is at thirst for cast uh we do have a Patreon. I'll have the link in the show notes. And we thank all the Patreon supporters that we have. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about, Tom? Anything? No, I think uh, I think I'm good. We're at the hour and a half ish mark. Yeah, I, I thank you very much for holding in for Lawrence, and hopefully we can get back on another time. Yeah, anytime, man. I'm you know I'm a weak man. I'm a poor man's Lawrence, but yeah, I try to do my uh, best. I don't know about that. <laughs> you you have the faith. You have the faith in uh, Dark Depths. That's something that me and Lawrence, uh, we, we don't have. So we don't like to attack the normal creatures like that. So I kind of like that. It's a different take. It probably makes, it probably makes you guys smart. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, you have a good night, man. All right. You too. Take it easy.